Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Yo, what's good, my people? It's Pastor Jay Harris from The Ville Church. Thank you for tuning in to our online sermon this morning. Um, we are happy to have you here with us. Um, I'm going to jump right in this morning. I'm excited about the word that I'm delivering, right? We are actually talking about community, right? And we're focusing on that word unity, which is inside of community. And we're talking about like, how does the gospel actually make community? Like, what does the gospel do to actually form true, genuine, God-glorifying community within um, the children of God, right? And I think this is important right now because we have all of these tensions within the church, um, whether it's politically, socially, racially, all of these different things that really should, um, that it's understandable for them to smack people around carnally, but spiritually, if we understand the gospel, they should not be doing what they're doing. So it means that we've actually missed something in the process or we've missed something and misunderstood something that's actually in the text. So I want to show it to you in the text because we could vaguely say that, hey, like we just need to act like Christians or whatever. But like, what does the word say? And how do you practically actually live that out? Because I don't know about you, but I emotionally get stirred up real crazy and very angry and very hurt and very conflicted and all of these different things in the midst of so many tensions that are flying in the air. And I find it difficult sometimes. So it's like, where do I soar? Um, the grace and mercy to love people despite sometimes like what I see because I don't want the enemy to have a foothold and be able to betray unity with brothers and sisters that we all being sanctified so like there's things I believe now that I didn't believe 10 years ago as a believer right and so but if I run into me as a believer now what I what I cut his throat and say you're an absolute mess and be done with them or would I posture myself to actually continue to build unity with my old self? Or maybe I would just need to take a break and give us some room because I make myself too mad or something like that and slowly encourage. So there's practical ways that we could do these things, do these things. And so I want to encourage y'all with that or whatever, right? So we're going to start off inside of 1 Peter 2. And we're going to just go straight from verse 1 and drive that all the way down to verse 10. And I'm just kind of using this as a kind of robust framework of the topic of community or unity, right? And so, first of all, I think what's really important when we're talking about community and unity, right, is the you and unity, right? Like, who are you as a believer? Like, what does the Bible say about you or whatever, right? And because you you need to know who you are. Like, even when the Bible says, you know, like, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. There's this piece in there. Shout out to my girl Snoop because she posted this on Facebook. There's a piece in there that is about actually loving you, which helps you actually love others. But, like, who are you in Christ Jesus is the question I'm looking to answer to you right now. Because even when we read the text often, right? Sometimes we generalize the text like it's talking to everybody, but God is actually looking at you like, no, you are actually my child. So like this text is specifically written for you. If somebody's on the sidelines and they receive edification, they're encouraged, and the spirit woos them towards salvation and the gospel and the people of God, then that is absolutely beautiful and it's a work of the Holy Spirit. But the conversation is specifically for you. I'll give you an example, right? When I'm at the park with my kids, whatever, and y'all know I got 10 of them, so them little rascals be everywhere sometimes or whatever. So I'll be out there trying to count and keep a hold of them. And sometimes when it gets too crazy, I say to them, I say, hey, listen, yo, all the Harris kids, 
Stay on the grass, yo. Don't, don't let me catch you on the pavement in the street, all of that stuff. Stay on the grass. And here's the thing. The park is full of kids. But I'm not talking to everybody. I'm talking to my kids. You dig what I'm saying? I'm talking to my kids. So God in the text, he is often talking to us, right? So let me, let, let's let's run through this really, really quick or whatever. And that, that idea of, of us knowing who we actually are in Christ is so important. I was talking to a kid from jail this week and he was like, he was like, yo, listen, Jay. He's like, I wish I would have had a father, somebody to tell me, like, to tell me how to do things, to tell me where to go, to tell me how to talk, tell me how to move, the decisions to make in life. So we don't want to be nonchalant about this fatherly relationship we have with the father, right, and the way he instructs us. So First Peter 2, let me run you through this real quick. So Peter says, he says, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that it may, that you may grow into salvation. So he's talking to believers. He's telling them to long for pure spiritual milk. Block out all the bull crap. Block out all the people with their conspiracy theories. Hold to the word of God because it's what's going to keep you on that straight and narrow path, right? Pun intended. There you go. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. He brings it back to have you tasted that the Lord is good. In other words, has the good news of the gospel met your bad news of sin? Unredeemable sin outside of Jesus, now redeemed through Jesus. Have you tasted that? In other words, keep that fresh on your mind and in your heart. And he says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, he's talking about Jesus, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe but for those who do not believe that stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word. So they stumble because they disobey the word. And he's telling us to hold to the word. Right. And he says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is the you I'm talking about, that you in unity, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So do you peep out the text roots the unity through this, through this remembrance, like, like this remembrance, like if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So this remembrance of the gospel, this remembrance of you having not received mercy, but you now having having received mercy. So like you are you are drafted in to this family. You are now a child of God is what the text is, is saying. And God has a purpose for you that he called you or whatever, because he's saying you are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation a people for his own possession that you must proclaim, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Right? So if we don't think the light is marvelous, of course, we're going to betray unity. We're going to betray this new family that we have, right? We're going to forget the mercy that God has given to us. Therefore, we're not going to lavish people with mercy, right? 
We see the story about the lady who came in and was worshiping Jesus and, and she was she was she was washing her his feet with her hair and they was like, yo, he don't even he, he must not know who homegirl is. Like he like he letting her touch him like that, whatever. And and Jesus makes the statement, he says, he says, he says, those who've been forgiven much, forgive much, right? So he's 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 giving this idea that like she she remembers the mercy she's received. She's remembered the grace she's been given. So she's worshiping because she has not forgot. It's like y'all criticizing her. Y'all have forgot. Y'all have forgot, right? And so there's this beautiful thing where God, as we, as he, when he brings us into his marvelous light, he sets us up to have unity, to have fellowship, to have family, right? Why is that important? The reason it's important is this right here. Because if we all... Are gonna have a moment of truth, right? We're gonna have a moment of truth. My wife loves me. I don't understand it, but she loves me, right? But like, the question is, does she love me, or does she actually love the Jay? Like, what goes on in Jay's minds? Jay with his, with his, with his lust, with his anger, with his temper, with his frustrations, all the ugly things that none of you people out there see or whatever. But like. Will people love you if they know what you really, really, really are? I ask that because I'm not convinced or whatever, right? I believe that a lot of us think we're cute or whatever, and especially in the church. We, we, we have this, this face that we actually project or whatever and this and that, and we become pompous at times or whatever. Fact of the matter is, like, we all have sinned and fall short, and we are only being nourished by the goodness, the mercy, and the grace of God. But when we forget when we forget, right, what the text says, that we've received mercy and are daily receiving mercy, that we're being nourished with mercy, that God's mercy is being nude every day because our sins and our and our and our our love for sin is actually beyond what we're willing to be honest about. Right? It's, it's, it's beyond it. So it's like we we're nourished by this. So do people love your fake face? But like, what if they really knew how broken you really can be, right? What if they really knew? Like, will they, will they actually love you then, right? Will they be there for you then? And, and God is there for us. He's there. Like Jesus, Jesus responds to that ugly thing, that ugly part of us or whatever, right? And so that thing makes family because it, it fills our community with mercy. It fills us with a community where we can actually walk into the light and confess our sins. Like, and God is sanctifying us. I know everybody will walk to the table and plop everything out, but like, he's growing us and sanctifying us into an honest community because the fact of the matter is, like for instance, you know, you, you get, a lot of times or whatever, we got people, whatever, and they have relationships with people that love them. Something hard happens in the middle of it. And they can move forward because like a lot of a lot of people I'm really close with and a lot of people I have really good relationships. We've had some really hard places in it and we actually were, were better on the other side of it because we didn't run away from it because we tried to address it in a biblical way where we actually put mercy, forgiveness, honest conversation in it. And like we know each other. We know how sinful like we had to confess and be like, yo, I, I did that. Right. It's not hidden no more that I messed up like that. Like I actually did that to you. And it was wrong and it was foul. And they're like, oh, I did that to you, man. Like this and that, whatever. Like, man, I forgive you. I love you. We're closer now. Matter of fact, we step on each other's toes. We know that we can step on each other's toes because we're not wearing the mask no more. Like, bro, I'm, 
I'm sinful, man. I, I thought I was better than that, but I'm sinful or whatever, right? And so this, this being able to walk into a light provides an opportunity for us to, number one, glorify God through the confession of our sins, to need his, his to, to need the Lord, right? That it's for us to fill that need that we have for God in our weakness or whatever, to make us strong. And he glues us together in that, right? He holds us together with his mercy and his grace. And the blood of Jesus is what propels this gospel community. But too often people, they just dip out and they go, uh, this is getting too rough. And guess what they trade the opportunity for a real relationship for? For a shallow relationship. Let me go rock with these people. They walk like I do, talk like I do or whatever. And this seems easy or whatever. But the fact of the matter is none of y'all actually know each other. You don't know who y'all really actually are. You just know what the face is or whatever. And so God wants more for us than that. He wants honest community, right? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this quote or whatever, which I think he hit it dead on the head. He said, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community, but the person who loves those around them will create community. I think he hit it dead on the head. I think that a lot of times we have this idea of what community is and we criticize places where communities really happen because it's hard and there's tensions there and it just is it, it, it requires us to actually lean on God to give us the strength and power to press through. But like oftentimes we betray it and we run off to something that is actually easy because we have a fantasy about how community works and how it is right. Even when we look inside of coming inside of context or whatever that our, our experience, economical crisis and different things, whatever. If you get in the community or whatever, that stuff falls on your lap. You're going to get tested. Are you really long suffering? Are you really patient? Are you really willing to sacrifice or whatever? Right. Like, or is that something you just talk about in church while you stand at a distance from it? And so God, he puts us in these tensions to sanctify us and also to build real community. But it takes us pushing through and holding on to Christ Jesus in the process. I'm going to leave you with one more thing or whatever. Um, and, 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 and I want to walk you through this. I'm not going to read the entire text. But um, when we look inside of uh, Acts 2, we see in Acts 2, um, right after Jesus has come to the, gone to the cross or whatever, he... Um, Peter's is with the people, right? And, you know, Pentecost has happened and, and, and people all gathered in the streets and Peter ends up within this conversation. And he says something, right? I'm gonna read this to you. He says, the Lord said to my Lord, no, I'm sorry, let me jump back. He says, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet that knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ. So these people are oblivious that Christ is the Christ, right? And they have an affinity and a love for David, like he's their guy, right? And so he's he is going at David by saying, even David, y'all missed it, was pointing to Jesus, right? But I want, to, I want you to see how he drops the gospel and leads them into community, right? And he says uh, that he was not abandoned to Hades, and did, and did, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, 
the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So he's talking to them about Jesus, using David and how David was pointing to Jesus the whole time and they missed it. He says, let all of the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ and this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, it says they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, repent of what? Their crookedness, their contribution individually and corporately to rebelliousness and sin, right? To the blood that is actually on their hands, the blood that, that they just they just witnessed and they they screamed and they called for Jesus to die and, and they were their hands are on it, right? They got blood on their hands. And he says, so it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And he says, and, and, and Peter said to them, repent when they said, what do we do? He said, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for our promise, for the promises for you. Remember, I'm talking about the you and unity, the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord, our God, calls to himself. Now, listen, it says, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received the word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 souls added to the community, right? The next part of this text, and I'm not going to get into, it starts off like this in verse 42. It says, and they devoted themselves, right? Let me just make it clear. Devotion means love loyalty or enthusiasm for a person activity or cause so they devoted themselves to following jesus and it looked like this it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to fellowship community right and to breaking bread in the prayers so there's a couple things i want you to catch in this really quick right first of all we're talking about peter Peter, who stood before Jesus, who had this idea of himself that he was good, that he was a ride or die soldier, that he was about that life. He cut off the ear when they came to see Jesus. And he stood before Jesus when Jesus said, you're going to deny me. He said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Peter's like, nah, homie, never that. And then all the other disciples followed, and they said, nah, we'll never do that. We don't know who you're talking about. See, Jesus was trying to show them how weak they were and how much they actually needed him how sinful they were and how much this, 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 what he was about to do on the cross was for them, that they weren't in this special group, that they were sinners as well. And they needed to grasp the, grasp the gospel in their foolishness, like in, 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 in its fullness, in their, in their weakness. Right? So Jesus, lo and behold, the text tells us that he denies Jesus three times. And the text ends so gangster because it says on the last time he did it, Jesus looks at him. The rooster crows, and you can only imagine how Peter was cut to his heart. But then Jesus, as when he when he dies, he puts he's put in the tomb, and then three days later he comes looking for Peter. With only to, he comes to meet him with mercy, grace, forgiveness to exhort him. Right? It was a part of God's process for his life. It was the way that God was going to sweep the legs from up under him, so he could stand them up real strong for real. Right? Stand him on a solid foundation. So Peter has his heart cut. He's cut to the heart. 
And now we see him inside of this text standing in front of people preaching the gospel and he is cutting their heart. And he's trying to do what Jesus did to them. He is trying to cut their heart and put a brand new living heart inside of them, right? So he preaches the gospel to them and they go, what do we do? And he says, repent. And they repent. He baptizes them. And then they now become a part of the fellowship. They are now children of God. So they're in the family. But then they start doing community through a matter of devotion being devoted to following Jesus. And that looked like fellowship. It looked like listening to the words of gospel, the gospel being preached to their leaders to be doing, being shown and it being modeled on how to care for each other, breaking bread with each other. It says they in the temple, they in each other's houses. They are a community and the community has been brought together by the gospel. I'm gonna leave you with this right here because I want you to chew on this after, after, after you hear this, right? Francis Chan, some of y'all know him or whatever, he did this perfect example where he, where he was talking, he had these Legos, right? So like sometimes when you buy Legos, they come with this foundation. It's usually just a flat piece. It's usually green. And then it has all of those little, you know, the little notches you connect to. We're going to call those notches the gospel, right? The gospel notches, right? So when we read inside of the text in 1 Peter 2, it says, it talks about how we are living stones. It calls Jesus the living stone, right? He said, it calls Jesus the living stone. And then it says that we are, he says, and you yourselves are like living stones are being built as a spiritual house. So the solid foundation, the cornerstone is Jesus Christ. In the gospel, he has the gospel connectors and we are like the little blocks. We just floating around lost with no purpose. And then he connects us. And then he keeps adding the gospel. Peter gets cut to the heart. He's connected on the foundation. And then he's out preaching the gospel, cutting hearts, and then connecting more people into the family until this magnificent structure. That's why the church is not the building. The church is the people, right? The building is just where we come together to celebrate, party, have a good time, preach Jesus, worship together, love each other, hug each other, do communion together, and remember the gospel. But he's building, right? Us living stones being built into a spiritual house, making family and community. Only thing holding us together are the little, are the little, the gospel notches. You get where I'm coming from? It's essential. It's the treasure, right? We talk about in our mission at, at the Ville Church or whatever, in our, our vision or whatever about the gospel being treasured because the church don't exist. It's nothing without the gospel. I don't care how many free turkeys we give out. I don't care how much stuff we hoop and holler and all of this stuff. If you leave the treasure of the gospel out of it, we are like the church of Sardis and Revelations. We may have a reputation for being alive, but we are going to be very dead because we've left the treasure that powers and propels us behind. You understand? The treasure that makes us family. Last thing really, really quick. Because I know some of you are like, you don't understand what the church has done to me. You don't know what I've been through and everything else. I completely believe you because I have been through it too. But this is what I want to encourage you with in your maturity, right? You know, in the, in the Good Samaritan story, the lawyer asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus responds to him by telling him what it is to be a neighbor. And he does that because you 
being a living stone, you being the church, you being a follower of Jesus is not contingent on what other people do. I deep, I, I agree with you because I know the pain of being hurt, being disappointed, feeling like you're giving your time and yourself to somebody and just to only realize they don't even care and you're just a, you're just a tie payment or you're just there for, to be manipulated, but there's actually no love. That's hurtful by all means and I understand it. But I also want you to realize that the enemy is really divisive and he wants to sift you like wheat and he wants to use those hurts and everything else to pull you away from the treasure, right? So what, what we are is not contingent on what somebody did to us. You are still the church. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a living stone and you are part of a community of living stones. Some of the people you may have been around, they may have been fraudulent. They, they ain't really connected because you know how sometimes you could you could sit sit the sit the Lego on the block, but it ain't really connected down real quick. Some some of these jokers ain't really connected for real. They just then jumped on the house, whatever, and they playing games. They just they fronting. And so we use our wisdom, whatever, to see the fakers and the shakers and all that, whatever. But but as for you, as for you and your house, serve the Lord. But serve the Lord by holding to this gospel. By holding to the gospel, as he says, he says, indeed, you have tasted that the Lord is good. If you've tasted that the Lord is good, don't let the haters shake you off. Don't let them throw you off the foundation, right? If you've tasted, because the treasure, the taste, right? The, the, the good news meeting our bad news. The fact that we once were people who didn't receive mercy and now have mercy. Nourish yourself with the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you go to bed at night, Think about it. I was talking to one of my homies the other day, and he's calling me and he's telling me about some family issues he's having with his family members and everything else. And he was like, he was kind of in a place where he was like ready to off him. And I started a conversation went to how good God has been to him. And I'm talking to him about stuff. He's even confessing stuff he's never told me before, stuff that he had, you know, was shame of. And he was just like, man, he said, God's mercy. Like, man, you know, God's mercy is so crazy. And I was like, yeah. I said, yo, give your family that. I said, give it to them. I said, before you, before we get to the conversation of how you manage this problem with them, swallow whole this mercy and grace that God has given you and then give it away. This thing where God is cutting your heart, where he cuts your heart because he revealed your sin to you and then he gave you a living heart and he filled that heart with mercy and grace and gave it alive. I believe the red hot chili peppers they used to say give it away give it away give it away now i'm old so some of y'all probably thought that was weird and you don't understand but for my people who know about flea and all of them in red hot chili peppers you get what i'm saying that mercy that you got give it away now you understand give it away and as you give it away we're making family we're making community that's how the gospel propels community unity in the body of christ all right it's pastor j harris i love you peace y'all